Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Praise God. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for your anointing. Thank you for your presence. Speak to every one of us here, Lord God. Teach us your ways. Help us to be determined to seek you and know you better, Lord God. Humble us, Father God. You have all the answers and we don't. Pray we would listen to you, Lord God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, everyone. Have a seat. Give someone a bit of loving on the way down. Yes. Thanks, musos. That's fantastic. Well done, everyone, for making it here. (laughs) I'm impressed. Come a long way. So good to see Josie. Yay. Looking beautiful. Always got a lovely, happy smile on your face, don't you? Awesome. Praise God. So we are continuing this morning our series on Israel. And I'm going to be sharing about Israel and prophecy and the church. So to begin with, God loves to talk to his people. He loves talking to you because he loves you. Of course he loves to talk to you. Of course he does. He always wants to talk to us. Do we always want to listen? Maybe not, but he is always talking. And so I've, what I'm going to start with is just like a little, I'm going to walk through the Bible a little bit just to look at some of the prophecies, which is very simply God speaking to his people through another person. Because usually God doesn't use his voice to speak to us. Probably it would blast us off the planet. <laughs> He's very intense. He usually speaks through someone, through a prophet or through anyone. And that's all prophecy is, just a, a, a blessing, a warning, a revelation or a, uh, of the future through someone. And he loves to talk to his people. And I just wanted to have a little look at some of the ways that God spoke to us. And as I got into it, I was it, it just kind of almost, I was almost amazed at how much God speaks. Beginning right from the, the very beginning, obviously, he spoke to Adam and Eve. He spoke to Noah. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with people, people, there's, there's a problem, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a flood, so you've got to build a boat. So Noah, right from the beginning, prophesied to his family, he says, we're, we're going you know, to need a bigger boat, <laughs> you know, but right from the very beginning, Noah's prophesying to his family and saying, this is what the Lord has said, and, and I thought about that, how every one of us can prophesy to our own families, we're all called to hear from God and speak to our families. Abraham. God said, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. As I was going through, I have had a wild ride this week exploring all this because everything that God says, all his prophecies have come true. 
There's two and a half thousand prophecies in the Bible. These are future prophecies, not current blessing prophecies, but prophecies about the future. And 2,000 of them have already come true. So, I mean, you know, that's whoever did that study said that it'd probably be a bit more, a bit less. But Abraham, I'll make you a great nation. Well, he certainly did. That was, what was Abraham, 4,000 years ago? I'm not sure, 5,000 years ago. And the Jews are a great nation. They're still there today. As a matter of fact, he also had Ishmael. So he's also had a whole group of nations from Ishmael. He said, I'm, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to make your name great and you're going to have so many descendants. This is a man who couldn't have children. Well, that's come true. We see that. Jacob, his grandson, prophesied over his sons that were the 12 tribes of Israel and he spoke to each one of them and said, this is what you, this is what you and your descendants will be like. This is what you and your descendants will be like. He, he said to Judah, you, you will be the lion. You're the lion because that's where Jesus came through was the lion of the tribe of Judah. He said even things like to Asher, who was, you know, who's Asher, just one of the, the lesser brothers, you know, not, not one of the big wigs. But he said to Asher, you will be rich. And also Moses spoke about Asher and he said, you're going to dip your feet in oil. Deuteronomy 33, 24. So I went, oh, that's interesting. It's amazing. You're going to dip your feet in oil. That, the area that Asher inherited is an incredibly rich and beautiful area. And several, I can't believe it. I just looked up all these oil and gas companies that have actually used exactly where Asher's land was to go exploring for oil and gas. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like these people, these are people, these are oil executives who believe the word of God. There's, it's literally still called Asher Oil and Petroleum, but it had its roots in back in the day, 1900s. The early guy said, well, Asher has apparently dipped his foot in oil. Let's go and look in the land. And there's several companies like this. And there is literally oil in this land. And I'm just like, whoa, there's so many. I, I, I can't wait till we get to heaven and God just walks us through all the things that were exactly as he said they would be. Joseph, Genesis 37, he interpreted dreams about the, a famine in Egypt. That, that happened. He was able to save the people from terrible um, starvation, essentially, his own people and the people of Egypt. Moses, God spoke to Moses more than anyone else in the Bible. And he was the first to prophesy about the worldwide dispersion of the Jews. Leviticus 26:33. If you do not obey me, I will scatter you among the nations. And listen to this, and draw a sword after you. The persecution of the Jews. Your land will be desolate, and it was, and your cities wasted, and you shall have no power to stand before your enemies. You will perish among the nations. And the land of, of your enemies, <laughs> so full on. The land of your enemies shall eat you up. And that, and that happens. It, it happens today. It happened. If you don't obey me, he warned them right back, right back when they were first a people. But then he also spoke about, he said, Now when you return to the Lord, the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. He will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers. So he prophesied that they would be dispersed and he prophesied that they would be brought back. Incredible, incredible how it just happened exactly Exactly as the Lord said. Seventy elders prophesied. They only prophesied once in Numbers. Balaam prophesied. The king of Moab tried to bribe him to curse Israel. And 
it's interesting because he was actually a true prophet. He heard from God, but he was a bad man. So this is interesting about the whole thing of prophecy. You can be, you can hear from God correctly, you can have a bad heart. So the king of Moab thought, oh, this guy, he's a, he's a true prophet. So if he prophesies something, it'll happen. So I'll get him to curse Israel. And, and he tried to do it. But if you know the story, his donkey wouldn't take him. The donkey spoke to him and said, we're not going to do this. And Balaam couldn't do it. But he wasn't a good man. So the mere fact, the mere ability to be able to hear from God and the ability to prophesy, and I believe this even for today, does not necessarily mean that you're in a right place with God. That's interesting. So that's, that was just the, the way with Balaam. He, he, didn't, he, didn't, he heard God, but he didn't obey God. He didn't follow God. So there were false prophets, obviously, right through the um, Old Testament. They contradicted the, the true prophets, people like Jezebel, who said that, oh, it's, it's sexual immorality. That's fine. It's, you can just sleep with whoever you want. That's, that's okay. That's absolutely fine. That's what Jezebel said. Way back then, sound familiar? It's called false prophecy and false teaching. No, it's not fine. God's ways are right. So she was a false prophet. We still have those today. David, I mean, I'm skipping over millions. Obviously, there's 2,000. I'm just going to pick a few because I just want us to see how exciting it is. David prophesied so much about, about, the future, about Jesus in the Psalms. Psalm twenty two eighteen. they divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. I mean, they even prophesy about what's going to happen to his clothes. That's exactly what happened at the foot of the cross, the Romans. They literally divided his clothing and threw dice for who was going to get it. In Chronicles, we see musicians who prophesy. That's exciting to know that musicians can prophesy. Elijah, he prophesied there'd be no rain for three years. And there was no rain for three years. That was because of the wickedness of King Ahab and Jezebel. Jonah was a reluctant prophet. God said, go to Nineveh and warn them. They need to repent. So, but he didn't want to because he didn't like them. <laughs> so that's interesting. We can have that too, reluctant prophets. Amos and, and heaps of the prophets warned Israel that they would be punished for their idolatry and sin, but they ignored him. And... Um, Hosea, Hosea, God asked Hosea to marry a prostitute to show how unfaithful the kingdom of Israel was. That's what it was like for God. That's what it was like. It was like being married to a prostitute. He loved his people, but they didn't love him. They loved other men, other gods. But to show how full of grace he was, he asked Hosea to marry this prostitute to show that he, 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 will, he will take his people back, he, his love is amazing. So that's what um, Hosea did. Wow. Isaiah, Isaiah had to walk barefoot and naked as a warning against Egypt and Cush. So God didn't just prophesy to his people Israel. He prophesied to all the nations. He speaks to everyone who wants to hear. So he prophesied against Egypt and Ethiopia. It was Cush. He prophesied about Jesus' death. He prophesied about John the Baptist. One of the most amazing prophecies in the Bible was that he prophesied about a man called Cyrus and he called him by name. He said, there's going to be a man called Cyrus in 150 years and this man will be a king and he will release the Jewish people from captivity and support them in rebuilding the temple. Isaiah said this. 150 years before Cyrus was born. 
and it came true. It's just incredible. It's incredible, the prophecies all, all throughout. Isaiah also prophesied this. Listen to this, Isaiah 11, 11. The Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people who are left. He will gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The second time. The first time was when they came back, when Cyrus released them, and they came back from Babylon, and the people came back to their land, which was desolate, had been destroyed, and they rebuilt the temple, and they, and they rebuilt some of the ruins. But then we know again that the, with the Roman Empire, they were scattered again. But Isaiah said they're going to come back a second time. A second time, which again we know happened incredibly with the Zionist movement back in the 1890s and 1900 and the people started to come back to Israel. They started to come back. And Isaiah even prophesied about what that would be like. He said, the land of Judah will be a terror to Egypt. Now, that's an incredible statement to make back in those days. Egypt was like, Egypt was the, the country. I mean, they were incredibly strong. To, to prophesy that e Egypt would be afraid of Judah is like saying that, you know, the USA would be afraid of Tasmania. You know, it's like ridiculous. But it's true today. It's true today. The military superiority of the Jewish nation is way above that of Egypt and they've beaten them in wars and it's actually, it actually happened. And another incredible prophecy. We had women prophetesses, Huldah, she also prophesied that Judah would be destroyed. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, one of the last prophets of Judah, said, I will make Jerusalem a heap of ruins. Again, warning, warning, warning. Daniel, Daniel's prophecies are just like, whoa. Daniel prophesied about the whole Middle East history over the next five centuries. He prophesied about Babylon, Persia, Greek and Roman empires. He, he prophesied about future things haven't happened yet. Ezekiel Ezekiel was kind of like this psychedelic prophet. <laughs> he prophesied about Jesus. He prophesied about other cities. He prophesied about how amazing the land of Israel would be because after this desolation, Israel was actually desolate. I read a great book which actually Margot recommended about, about Israel and, and some of the early guys that went through in the 1900s. It was desert-like. It was a mess. It, it, had been a, it was a desolate nation and it had been wars over it, but it, there was nothing going on in Israel a hundred years ago. It was very, very messy. But, but Ezekiel prophesied the desolate land will be tilled instead of lying desolate. So they will say this land became like the Garden of Eden. And I can actually remember, Margot used to live in Israel, so I sometimes like to talk to her about it. I've never been. I'd love to go. But, and Margot told me, she said, you know, you could fly over it and you would see this lush green and it would go zoom, and on the other side there would be desert. And it was like, there's the border of Israel. And, and just the incredible miracle of modern Israel where they have created cities and, and lushness and fertility. I mean, Israel, their oranges are so beautiful. They feed all of Europe with their oranges and some of their, of their vegetables. The, the lushness of the place now is... It's miraculous. It was a desert, but it was prophesied. It was prophesied. God said it would come true. Now that's just, you know, then Malachi was the last of the Old Testament prophets. But can you imagine 2,000 prophecies? It's so exciting to explore how God speaks to his people, how God loves his people. And so what we learn from this is that, first of all, what God says comes true. 
He loved his people, the Jews. He didn't want all the bad things to come true, but he did warn them. But if God says something, it happens. It happens. We can, we can trust God. And not only that, but the Bible is incredibly true too. The, the fact of true prophecies in the Bible is one of the, of the proofs of the incredible accuracy of the Bible, that God, God wants us to know he's perfectly capable of getting a book published on earth which he has done, that is accurate and that is his book and it's called the Bible. I mean, they've just found another batch of fragments of the Bible, another, you know, because it's, it's incredible the amount of manuscripts that they have to prove the accuracy of the word of God. But the prophecies themselves prove it. And, they, and you, you talk to, to secular people, they bend over backwards trying to say, well, hang on, this guy must have written this after that because how could he have known that that was going to happen? They can't figure it out. So they say, no, 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 Isaiah must have lived... 200 years later than when he lived and they they don't know what they can't make head or tail of it because all the prophecies are are true and they they don't believe that that in the way it is but God speaks to us we need to believe that and he still speaks to us today so one of the big lessons from this you know the prophecies that we see is that God's speaking to us today and it was so much that he was speaking and I just feel encouraged. Like, let's be encouraged. Jesus said in John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. One of the great blessings of being a believer is hearing from God. It is so lovely to hear the voice of God. It is just the loveliness of life. It really is. There's nothing more precious than hearing that voice. When you, and it takes time. You know, these, these guys waited on God to hear from him. So often in our busy life, we're busy, 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 and we, you know, it takes, it takes some stillness to, to quiet the world and to quiet the TV show we watched last night and to quiet the argument we had with so-and-so and just be still and hear that still, small voice. It takes time and it takes a soft heart. That's the other thing we learn, that they didn't want to hear from God often. He sent prophets. They killed these prophets. These prophets, they're waiting on God. They go, oh, I've got a message. They go and tell someone. They're like, let's kill him. I don't like that message. Sometimes they said, is there another prophet? Can we get someone else? I don't like what you're saying. Are we like that? Are we like that? God is speaking to us and he often sends people. He still often speaks to us through people. I've got a very spiritual friend I was talking to on the phone last night and she was just, we were sharing about different things and she said, I just can't hear. She, she spends a lot of time in prayer and she hears very accurately from God. She said, I cannot hear what God is saying about this issue. I can't hear what he's saying. I just, I've waited on God. I've asked him, I can't hear. And I knew exactly what she should do. To me, it was like, well, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> and her brother, she said, my brother says I need to do this. And I'm like, well, that's, that is what you need to do. She goes, yeah, but I haven't heard from God. And it's like, yes, because I said sometimes he doesn't speak to you. He wants someone else to speak to you. It's called humility. So sometimes he's not going to tell you. Sometimes he wants you to listen to your husband or your pastor or your leader. <laughs> I had that when we bought, I remember we bought our first house. I remember waiting on God, like, God, 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 should we buy it? Should we buy it? Should we? I don't know. And I'm like, I didn't have peace. I was nervous. I'd never bought a house before. I was like, ah. And Chris was like, yeah, we're going to get it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, okay, that's great, Chris. But oh, I haven't heard from God. God, God, no, I remember. God, I'm just, 
Couldn't get anything. So in the end, I went, oh, well, we just have to buy it. I mean, gosh, I didn't even heard from God. And we're going to buy this house. And then it was 138000 <laughs> I wish we'd bought a couple. But anyway, <laughs> you always say that, don't you? Looking back, it's like, why didn't we buy it then back in the day? But anyway, yes, 138000 It was a lot of money back then. But um, Chris just, he prayed about it. And he says, yep, we're buying it. So we bought it. Right after we bought it, I was like, oh, God, of course we're meant to buy this house. And he's like, just smiles at me. I'm like, oh, I'm like, why didn't you tell me? And he goes, because I told Chris. And I'm like, oh. And he goes, and I wanted you to submit. I remember he said that. I wanted you to submit to your husband. I'm like, wow, okay, fine. Like, it's interesting, isn't it? Like God's, you know, every now and again, guess what? Men, you're the head of the house. <laughs> I know it's not very PC to say that, but, uh, you know, every now and again, God wants us to submit. So it's not so terrible. You get a nice house out of it. So I did. I just did it. And Chris heard from God and I didn't. But then afterwards, God confirmed it. And I went, oh. So sometimes, guess what? What you need to hear, you're going to hear from your husband or your wife or your pastor or your leader or your mum or your dad. So, you know, we've got to be listening. We've got to be listening. And I've got a little note here. God still warns us about sin. I mean, that's, that's one of the biggest things you get when you look through all the prophecies in the Old Testament. He's just like, I've got this fabulous life for you and it's, it looks like this and I want, it, I want you to be blessed. But can you just, just don't do this, all right? Don't do this, don't do this. Because it's not going to work for you. It makes you miserable. And he still warns us today. So let's listen. Let's do it God's way. God's way is like a highway. You're just cruising along in your Ferrari. This is cool. You know, this is good. The, the devil wants to just take you off on a horrible track down through floods and mess and mud. And it's not, a, it's not the way to go. Let's go God's way. So that's the first thing. God speaks to his people. He's still speaking to us today. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. You hear from God. You do. You do. So let's obey him. The, the, the next point about this is how do we as Christians, now we look at these prophecies about what happened with the, with the Jewish people and they all came true and they're all real, but what does that mean for us, those prophecies? Do we read those prophecies and go, great, I'm really glad that the Jewish people got a new land or I'm great that this happened. And here's a wonderful scripture and it's, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, All the promises of God in him are yes, and in him are men, to the glory of God. Here's another one, Hebrews 8.6. Now, he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is, he is a mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. Every promise of God is yes in Christ. So everything that was promised and prophesied to the people of Israel is yes in Christ. When we're in Christ, it all belongs to us as well. So we can look at all those wonderful things in the Old Testament and say, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that, I'll have that. It all belongs to us. And it belongs to us because we're in Christ and He's in us. So in one sense, we actually inherit it because Jesus is Jewish and he's in us now, so there's an element where we're all kind of, we're all Jews. And it literally says that. Look, Philippians 3.3 3 says, we are the circumcision. We are who worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ. We're the circumcision now. 
We have been grafted in with the Jewish people. We have this wonderful Jewish Messiah in us. So we, they're all, all those promises. We can have them. They're all for me. So that's just awesome. And not only that, but he says his, his, this is a better covenant. This is better. What they had was amazing. What we have is better. It's better because Jesus is the Messiah. This better covenant, is, it's meant for the Jews as well, of course, but it's better. So did they get a promised land? Well, we're going to get something better. We get a promised land. Did, did they get promises of comfort and peace and protection? Well, we're going to get that and we get better. That's why we can open up the Old Testament and go, I'll have that. Thank you very much. We get better. You can't, if, if there's anything in the Old Testament that they were promised and we say, oh, well, we, we don't get that. That doesn't happen for us. Well, then it's not better, is it? It's worse. But we get it because it's better. It's better. However, we need to have some wisdom in understanding how to understand these prophecies, all right? And, and the best way that I can think of it is with bird watching. It always comes back to bird watching. For those of you who are new, I'm a bird watcher. I like bird watching. Birds are very exciting because God made them. And so they're beautiful. Binoculars, right? So you get a pair of binoculars and you can go and you can go way out there. Even better if you get a scope for the, for the, for the water birds. What's that? I'm not going to repeat what he just said. It's, it's inappropriate. It's very inappropriate. Um, so, but you can have a telescope to look at birds. So the, the really serious bird watchers carry a scope with them for water birds. I only have binoculars. But the, the, the way that you use binoculars is, you, you, it's, and if you've got a great pair, it's amazing, isn't it? You can zoom right in. You can look at things that are just a metre away and go zoom and get that in focus. Or you can go whoosh. And you can look at the moon and I can see the moon's markings better with my binoculars. So you can focus in or focus out. And that is the way that the prophecies and the promises of the Old Testament work for us. They are, I would call them telescopic. All right? They're telescopic. So with, we know his voice. So we know how to understand these prophecies. So when, let's take a, a classic promise that we have all Claimed. Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Now we all go, yep, I'll have that. But actually, Jeremiah said it to the Israelites. And he said it to them about the fact, if you read the context, the context was, you're going to come back, you're going to come back after 70 years from Babylon, and I know that I've got plans for you to return back to, to your homeland. So that's the immediate truth of that. And there are some people that think, oh, well, you know, we can't, well, I can't claim that because it's about the Jews coming back to Jerusalem. However, when we adjust the focus, we see that it wasn't just about the, the, the captives coming back from Babylon. It was also about later because then he, even the, even the prophets themselves do this. They, they suddenly telescope out and then he talks about, I'm going to gather you from all the nations. It's like, well, hang on, they're only in Babylon in the initial return but then suddenly he's talking about all the nations so the prophets do it as well one minute they talk about this and then they go and they go right out 
And that's why when you read the Bible, you go, hang on, what are we talking about here? Are we talking about, about the Jews here? Are we, it seems like now we're talking about the end times. And that's exactly right. Because they loved to use their binoculars and they loved to go zoom out there and then well, let's bring it back into here and now out there. And that's how it works. And so when he, he talks about the Jews now coming in 70 years coming back, then he talks about the Jews coming back in 2000 years, in 1948, and then he's talking about us. Because we are the circumcision now. We, we are also grafted in. And he's saying, I've got plans for you as well. And so do you see how it works? It's very exciting. We also, 1 Peter 1, 1.9, we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We are also his own special people. So pick a prophecy and, and use those Holy Spirit binoculars. And sometimes God is even quite particular you know, I, I remember once the, the Lord spoke to me and he said, the royal daughter is all glorious within. And he, he spoke that to me personally for just a season I was going through that was difficult to, to speak to me about being royal and about being beautiful and he was pleased with me. But it wasn't written for Ruth Browning, was it? The guy who wrote it. He wrote it for, I don't know, I haven't done the research on that, but, you know, he wrote it about someone back in the Psalms days or the people. So it's very exciting because he'll even, well, there'll even be a focus on some of these prophecies for us personally. There'll be a focus perhaps for, for our family. I know people that have had a scripture, you know, and God says, I'm going to give you a land. And he was talking about the Israelites. I'm going to give them their own promised land. But people have seen that scripture and God has spoken it into their heart and said, I'm going to give you, you, know, I'm going to give you a property to buy on the central coast. He, he uses the word of God like that. And we know that that's okay to do that because we see the, the men in the, in the New Testament doing exactly that. They do it. Peter and Paul, when they're interpreting the Old Testament, they say, oh, this is what was spoken about in those days. And you go, Really? I thought they were speaking about something else, but that's that telescopic nature of the Word of God. It's incredible. So I encourage you to, to know we have a better, a better covenant and to be excited that all those prophecies belong to us and we learn how to sort of interpret them. We learn what does it mean, the land of Israel for us? What, what does Jerusalem, what's Zion for us? You, get, you learn kind of meanings behind them, like Zion is the church now. For us, it means the church. Back then, it meant Jerusalem. And in the future, it will be, mean the new Jerusalem. But right now, when we talk about Zion, we're talking about this, the church. What is the, the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey? Back in those days, it was physically a land that they could live. In 1948, it was a land again, a physical land. For us, it doesn't mean Israel. And I think it is important to say this because there are some people that get a little bit literal not so much in Australia but particularly in the United States it's like you know it's America it's like well no the land is not actually America that he was talking about do you know what I mean he's talking about a promised land the promised land for us is the land of promises the land where we can live as a people in a spiritual kind of nation in a spiritual kingdom where God blesses us where God provides for us where God looks after us it's not a physical land as such it's a spiritual place. So we get, we get great wisdom in understanding how to, to use our spiritual focus. Praise God. And I just want to finish with one final point. We are a prophetic people. So just as God was prophesying to his people, the Jews, and that those prophecies are for us today, let's remember that we are still a prophetic people. And... The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 
Let's still prophesy. Let's don't complain. Proclaim. Be spiritual. I had a, just a funny little example of this, just a little thing. But on Wednesday, I think it was, I was missing my grandson. And I thought, I haven't seen him for at least, I don't know, a few days. <laughs> I just hadn't seen him and I was missing him. Lara's just looking at me. like, And I wanted to see him. And I said, how am I going to see him? I really want to see him. Will I just go and pop in or... I don't know. Well, I have them. I had them over for dinner. I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, see them without being a meddling mother-in-law. Do you know what I mean? Like, but I wanted to see him, and I literally said to Chris, "I said I really want to see Havelock. I do want to see you too, Lara and Hudson." But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> I wanted to see Havelock in particular. I said I really want to see Havelock. How am I going to see Havelock? I was try- I, and I literally, I'm not kidding. What was it? Two minutes later, I hear, "Hello, hey, mum," and I'm like, "Is that Hudson on a Wednesday at two o'clock in the afternoon? He's meant to be at work. What?" Hudson? He goes, yeah, hi. He was obviously working from home. And he goes, what are you doing here? Is Havelock here? And he goes, yeah, he's in the car with Lara. And I'm like, wow, I just said I want to see my grandson. And two minutes later, he just arrived. And I mean, it was just, I know, it's a coincidence. But boy, us Christians have a lot of coincidences, don't we? Like, seriously, I have so many of these coincidences. But it was interesting because I was just preparing this message. And it was just that power of... Of, of, of not complaining, proclaiming, prophesying to your situation. And there are countless examples of Christians who've prophesied over this needs to change or that needs to change in your community all around us. Let's proclaim. And this is another scripture. And this is speaking about the last days. Peter said it was referring to his time 2,000 years ago. But we know telescopically it also refers to us. It will come to pass in the last days, says God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy and your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. How accurate were those prophets back then? Well, we, are, we have the Holy Spirit within us, each of us. We are more accurate Let us also join in as part of our heritage, as part of the example that we see from our Jewish um, forefathers to be prophets and speak prophetically and powerfully into our world to make a difference. Amen. Let's prophesy. Thank you, God. Father, let's pray. Hallelujah. God. Speak to us, your people, right now. Pray you'd speak to every person, every heart. Pray that we would hear from you, that we'd have soft hearts, that we would listen and that we would prophesy, Lord God. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless God. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.